Hello, everybody. You are tuning in to the second episode of CR Sports Talk. My name is Richard Laguerre. And my name is Cade Lubin. And today we were prompted to watch a video on Jason Peterson's TED Talk. He is an assistant professor of communication at Charleston Southern University. So in this video, he basically discussed our attraction to sports. And with our attraction to sports, there's a sense of romanticism with a little bit of devotion and a lack of logic for us to kind of escape away from reality just to, you know, watch what we want to watch to be entertained. So when we watched when we watched sports, we growing up, we would see that there was like a hero slash villain type story with our with our hero being our respective team like our community and what we looked up to so that reflected on the values of our own community and so with the crossover of like religion and sports you would say that you both bring in a group of people to celebrate an event and everybody dresses accordingly so for religion you would dress for say church or uh, a game you would dress with sports gear so in Al- for Alabama University nobody's going to say wow what a mathematics program which he said in the TED talk but when you hear Alabama University you think of Roll Tide because everybody thinks of the athletics program mm-hmm. and so Harvard business professor Doug Chung found that when a school's football or basketball program has a level of success, uh, the applications to the school actually increased 18.7%. And I thought that was pretty interesting, seeing that schools of higher learning and education are more seen for their sports. So, well, Cade, what would you like to say about that? Yeah, so I enjoyed the TED Talk um, for the most part. Uh, I did enjoy it, but I did disagree with it. Um, some points throughout the TED Talk, Jason stated that these athletes that we romanticize being or acting like or taking uh, taking their footsteps and making them into our own, he chose to highlight some of the more negative uh, connotations that some of the major athletes have had. For example, he mentioned um, Mike Tyson, how he was a rapist, or Michael Vick for dogfighting. Whereas you could also say the same thing about some of the priests that operate within the fields of religion that are also found guilty of molestation. Um, While that's not always the case, and while religion is a great thing, most definitely, um, he he was just filling the narrative to his own story, where I could do the same thing with religion, not bashing religion in any way. But if you focus on the negative side of things more so than the positive, you're often going to get a little bit of a distorted picture. Um, with that being said, I do feel like Jason hit on a lot of great points throughout the uh, throughout the talk, where he did capture um, how we do romanticize and idolize these athletes for no apparent reason, considering that they are just everyday people, but they don't live everyday lives. And I feel like um, that idea of them living almost of a fantasy-style life that gives us hope or hope to the everyday person that they may able to be able to reach those heights someday um so all things considered i did enjoy the ted talk but sport media and or the there's no denying the impact that sport and media 
vice versa, however way you want to put it. They complement each other. They both benefit each other. And media is is a major outlet for us to gain more knowledge and more education about the, the inner workings of sport. And I just think that's a tremendous thing. So I don't think there should be any negative connotation behind it. Um, simply because it does bring us all together as a sense of community too. And media does help benefit that. Yeah. So one thing I also wanted to point out was uh, the game of change. So I did some research on this um, the, with the Mississippi State uh, team in 1968, where uh, based off of their community's values, they were all about segregation. So when it came to like playing profound tournaments like the NCAA tournament, they couldn't they couldn't play because of uh, an unwritten rule, which meant that they would not play with integrated teams. So the first time ever that they played in that integrated tournament was 1963, and they ended up losing to an integrated team, which is Loyola. Mm-hmm. Honestly, when I looked this up, I thought that like Mississippi State should see what was wrong right there. Like they need to integrate their teams. They need to look away from the racism and the segregation and just start to move on in the future as everybody else did but this was also during like the civil rights times like civil rights acts and this was one of those states in the southern states they just weren't having it and also we um in my breakout room uh today in class we spoke about how most southern states are just not having it with like the kneeling and like the social injustice stuff like that we're standing for and they just boo us, you know, like they're, they're booing the Kansas City Chiefs uh, and the Texans. But like, I think that's solely based off of just where they live and like their values. And, you know, like I'm I'm not a fan of it, but, you know, we can't change who we are. We can't change other people. So most definitely with that. I, yeah, so that brings up an interesting point from the uh, from the TED talk as well. When he mentioned during the 1968 Olympics, the two athletes that rose their hand in unity over the civil rights injustice, and it's crazy to think that mm-hmm. almost 60 years later, or almost 50 years later, excuse me, um, the same thing is still happening. Um, it kind of just shows how far, how little um, we have come to a society at a point nearly half of a century um, socially justice wise which is awful yeah Yeah. and then so we had the Olympic uh, the men's basketball team in the Olympics in 1988 you know America always wanted to be the number one team they want to win but they end up losing to the Soviet Union and this is also during the Cold War time so that's not that was probably the worst thing that could ever happen around that time and everybody I guarantee was mad so the next Olympics that they do, they end up bringing in like all the stars and they made the dream team because they wanted to win. So that I see is like reflective of how USA is, you know, not all of USA, but USA as a whole for the Olympic team, they want to win. So they're open to integrating the team, mm-hmm. you know? So and then that just shows that Mississippi State 
they th- they thought that their team or the society was broken that they were right so when they lost they didn't even want to talk about it they just shrugged it off like nothing happened and then they still didn't end up having african-american players until 1968 that's a whole five years they could they still didn't like uh integrate their teams even after taking a loss to an integrated team and thinking like oh we need to have a better team maybe we should change but no because society reflects i mean uh the team reflects society and where the community that they live in so that just basically shows that with media maybe those and in, in this time uh with the southern states during this kneeling uh process media they're not as on media as much as like maybe the northern states or maybe they're on a certain type of media that they only want to see what they want to see so it's tailored to their liking you know uh, i i just don't think it's right that they would that mississippi state would think that their that society is wrong and that their team is right and they lost so shouldn't they be in the wrong you know uh, yeah definitely i agree with that and that's one that's another reason that sports media has tremendously helped the sport industry it sheds light on these negative topics and how these athletes are being misunderstood because that yeah. is quite frankly all it comes down to is an understanding of the topic you either understand it or you don't and these people that are conservative and stuff in their ways they just don't want to understand it and sport media or media in general allows athletes to portray their own version of their own message without having to worry about it getting butchered or misunderstood along the way because traditionally it would have had to go through ownership or through the team or through some sort of news uh, news center or some interview and along the way their message would have gotten completely forgotten but with twitter for example they can put out a message. I mean, although it's in 140 characters or less, they can put out their own message for millions of people to see. And that's one mm-hmm. of the beautiful things that athletes are have the opportunity yeah. to have this platform to make change. Exactly. And that goes back to um, the Olympics in the 60s with, um, what's her name, Tommy Smith and John Carlos. Right. They When they raise their fist, they use their platform. Kaepernick uses platform. I would have been interested to see if those two gentlemen um, were grateful enough to, or had the opportunity to have Twitter or any sort of social media. Yeah. <laughs> interested to see what their approach would have been. So I want to talk about uh, this this quote that he that Jason left us off with at the end. He said, if you want to know what a society thinks and what a community holds true, try looking at the respect representative sports teams. So with that quote how would you interpret that honestly it tripped me up a little bit when i heard it the first time uh i've kind of deciphered it and ultimately back to you asking to me now um it comes down to the sport teams ultimately what they value is what the people that follow them are going to value so if you have a sports leader that is totally unwilling to increase his awareness or educate himself on societal issues. It doesn't have to just be racism. It could be anything. But if you have an owner that completely has expressed no interest in learning to make himself better as well as the organization that he oversee he or she oversees, then ultimately those fans are susceptible to the same sort of fate. Is ultimately how I took it, but I would love to hear your thoughts on it, Richard. Yeah, so honestly 
what you said was right like it's also based off of like the owners and stuff like if these owners are staying quiet you know people are gonna stand people who love those teams are gonna stand by their owners and believe in what they believe in because if the owners not speaking up about it why should they or like if it's really i don't think people would really go that far to to like shun themselves away from a team just because their owner but maybe if people are like that then all power to you you know because like that's a great thing if you're able to do that but you know owners like jerry jones other owners that just are not speaking up and most nfl owners are just not speaking up they're letting roger goodell speak for the whole league or players creating their platforms for the whole league and stuff like that but honestly like owners have one of the biggest platforms because you're owning a whole team like and with these social injustices you have african-americans predominantly and you don't feel the need to stand up for them and that's where i also i see the nba which i'm watching right now watching the miami boston game uh like they've been doing a great job adam silver's been doing a great job as a commissioner um definitely yeah as i see this game you see black lives matter on the court right and yeah it's big and bold you'll see it every time but like i heard earlier that they have um something for social injustices i forget what it says but on like both ends of the fields and i'm sure it can hardly be seen you're not seeing it most of the time on tv no so gotta put it right in center or right in center field yeah so we'll we'll cut that and that has been the conclusion of our cr sports talk thank you for listening to episode two my name is richard laguerre my name is kate leuven And you guys have a nice day.